Welcome once again to the Internet Advisor Tech Roundtable. My name is Foster Brown, and with me, of course, are Gary Baker, the Internet Advisor. Hi, Gary. Hey, Foster. And Cal Carson, our Apple expert. How you doing, Cal? And, and where else on this planet would I rather be on a wonderful day like this? Oh, man, it is a good day when we have all you guys together, and it's uh, I've been enjoying these roundtables because it uh, I kind of satisfies my jones to get together with you guys each week and talk about tech kind of things. Absolutely, uh, and, it, and certainly Cal is much more than an a Apple expert because oh. uh, he can... He, he, he's ACDC. <laughs> Multilingual, at least. That's we'll put right. It, we'll put it that way. Bicomputeral. Well, uh, <laughs> Better yet. There's a lot to talk about Apple, but I, I guess just in deference to the fact that there are other things out there besides the world of Macintosh products, uh, before we get back to this week's big announcement called Back to Mac, uh, which happened, and Cal, I want you to ex- you know comment on that extensively. Uh, Gary, you had noticed a couple things that you had uh, suggested we talk about, and uh, one of them was about finding lost children and some technology that's being used to help do that. Uh, that's right. It's called Laura Recovery Center, and I was pretty impressed because of the way they use technology. Basically, uh, you can go to our homepage, and uh, it'll link off to uh, myflyer.org, which is a free online child ID page, and then mychildid.org uh, gives useful safety tips and and whatnot. But the the important thing here is that if a child goes missing and you put up flyers there's a what they call a qr code a quick response code on every flyer you can go to this site and it'll you download the uh, information you put the uh, the photo of the child that's missing and it'll print out these flyers with these r with these qr codes wow Anybody that can that sees this flyer can go up to it, use their um, uh, their cell phone, the camera on their cell phone, and if all they do is they hold the cell phone up to the uh, RQ code or the QR code, and they'll be able to tell right away where it'll take them directly to a website that gives a lot more information about the child, wow. any updated wow. information and whatnot. What a, a great way. I mean, we're using good technology in a great way oh, yes. to do things that were hard before. Now, hey, guys, can we talk a little bit about these Q, this QR technology? This is kind of like what I've heard it described as a two-dimensional barcode, but maybe either one of you, you or Cal, can explain a little bit better about what this is and, and how it's developed. You know, I I think that's exactly the, the right way for people to think about it. It's um, it's quick response. Uh, you could use your cell phone, uh, and that's the important part. So you could see a flyer on the street, and uh, it, it it's like a regular barcode. Only um, it's able to, you're able to print it easily. You're able to uh, reprint it easily, and then it's re- read by um, information on your on your cell phone itself. So the trick, this, the, the trick with the this, Gary, is that it quickly it quickly takes you to more information about the that's missing right. child. And for a long time, this this particular technology has been in use with uh, your uh, your delivery service people, your FedEx, your your uh, UPS type folks. Oh, that's you, what that is. Oh, yeah. If you if you look on the pa- on your packages, you'll find them uh, all over. You know, scattered on the packages on occasion, 
and they also use those as well. I just thought that was a simple barcode, but it's actually something much more profound than that. Yeah, if you, if, if you look at it long enough, you see a picture of Lincoln looking back at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Big Brother is watching you in new ways. But uh, this is, And this is quite a serious topic. should make uh, light of it. But, Gary, this is excellent that this technology has now been tied together with these sites. And as Gary was saying, if you look on uh, the show notes that come with our roundtable, you can see more about that. Um, well, Cal- and if, and if yeah. you really want to know more about the RQ code, uh, Wikipedia is actually right this time in describing what it is. The A lot QR of times code. you okay. can't always get yeah. uh, good information from Wikipedia because you don't know who puts it in yeah. or you can't tell how good it is. Yeah. It's actually pretty good here. It was developed uh, you know, in, in uh, Japan oh. uh, back in 94 by, uh, by the auto industry, basically. Fascinating. And, and what a great application for it now. Uh, uh, just before we get to Cal again and, and talk about the Back to Mac event, one of the other things, Gary, that I noticed you, you uh, talked about um, in our pre-show notes were um, this report about um, the da- uh, bandwidth download uh, that's going on right now and the huge portion of that uh, that's being gobbled up by one particular company. And it's not the bad guys playing with BitTorrent. Well, it is that as well, but um, 20% of the d- downstream traffic during peak times uh, here in the U.S., which is 8 to 10, you know, our prime time, yeah. uh, is as a result of Netflix. And as you start to realize, Netflix is moving their model to, you know, completely online or, or mostly online um, streaming. And as they do that, um, people, that's when people want to watch television want to watch movies is that uh that prime time 8 to 10 p.m quickly what do you think guys this is going to happen when uh so much bandwidth is being absorbed that's you know a fifth of all the bandwidth out there is being absorbed by just this one company and this whole business of streaming video in particular now is becoming more and more popular well when you think about it um and when you start to look at what's going on in the rest of the world, we're behind. Yeah. We really are. Our, our, we spend three hours average per day uh, in active session uh, connected to the Internet. In Asia-Pac, it's closer to 5.5 hours. That's astounding. We, you know, we use approximately four gigabytes uh, per household per month. And... Uh, in Europe, in Europe, and especially in Asia, in Asia they use 12 gigabytes, so three times as much no, bandwidth. And it starts early in the morning. There's, they don't yeah. do it just for prime time. But now, Gary, so, doesn't, don't they have, uh, if you will, better delivery systems? In other words, bigger pipes that are delivering the information because they're not saddled with the kind of legacy system that we are in this country where a lot of stuff is still being delivered over copper wires? Well, it's not much over copper wire anymore, right? A lot of this is is fiber. It's um, you know, it's cable to the to the home, or it's uh, um, you know, enhanced copper at, at yeah. very least. But you're absolutely right. So, what does that mean? Should our you know our citizens say, "Oh, well, maybe we shouldn't use the internet so much," or? Oh. Is there an opportunity here to increase 
not only the backbone, but then all the spars yeah. and right out to the home. Well, I, well, I, I got to fact, what's go, home go today, yeah. right? I got, yeah. I got to say, Gary, when you say the words, uh, not use the internet so much, it's <laughs> like, I, I just laugh on the inside, not, not at you, but at the statement, because bottom line is the genie's out the bottle now. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, I agree. And, you know, just think yeah. back 10 years ago when, when that blazingly hot, Fast fourteen four modem came out, <laughs> and, and everyone's all crazy about that. Oh. So I, I think right now the the big move is going to be uh, more and more going across that wire, and uh, more and more I think uh, we're going to be going toward uh, a fiber optic all the way up to the actual computer in your house because you're just going to need that type of bandwidth in order to be able to support the usage. And the demand that people are going to want. Well, guys, well, when I start to when I start to think that you know Wi-Fi be, starts to become WiMAX, and uh. you know my son was down in Chile, and every time he walked he walked down the street, he would pick up an, a Wi-Fi signal, and he was able then to contact me That's back right. here just yeah, using his that. iPod Touch. Yeah. and it was interesting because. There's a lot more hotspots there than there are here. Well, Gary, there's an interesting example right there that your son was making a voice call over a Wi-Fi network. So, I mean, that's even more stuff that's being used for communication across what, you know, used to be just for going to the Internet and finding something. Now we're actually doing a lot of communicating over these Wi-Fi networks as well, the phone, the voice uh, uh, and, and image sharing. We are right now. Right? I'm That's on exactly. Wi-Fi right now. Right I'm not now. connected to the... Are you connected? I'm sitting in my living room no, with I'm, my feet up. I, my computer too. on my lap. Yep, yep, exactly. Oh, Mr. Comfort himself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had to have somebody who was on the, on the cutting edge. But now here, guys, here's a question I have for you, though. One of the fears that, that some groups have is that this is going to then give, if you will... Uh, license to the cable providers or the telecoms in the United States to start gating um, use and, and and maybe restricting people's uh, ability to um, you know putting caps on bandwidth. Well, as long as the government doesn't get involved and start regulating it, what happens when some vendor doesn't serve the need? Well, depending on whether or not they're the only game in town, yeah. uh, you and go what somewhere causes, else. And what causes them to be the only game in town? Nobody uh, else has the money to invest in hey, it? Gar- I'll give Potentially, you or they don't have the license. Or, right? or Gary, I'll give you an example. I now live in an apartment building, and I just found this out the other day, because I had been using, um, uh, I'll just say, one brand of communication connection to the internet when i got to this building i found out that somebody signed a sweetheart deal with one of the cable companies for 25 years which means even though um uh the other major connectors huawei and at&t are available in the neighborhood here i can't connect to them I can only go through one, which in this particular case happens to be Comcast, because somebody signed a 25-year contract. Until and you have WiMAX. I'm, there you go. Now, that's true. Until, you, yeah. until somebody puts down a WiMAX transmitter in the center of Royal Oak, and it goes out for 25 to 30 miles. There you go. And anybody can connect to it. Well, then that's got to be the next the, the, the edge that's got to be developed because... And it's, and it's being developed now. Because we're being trapped right now. Yep. Yeah, but who's going to pay for it? 
It's one node. Who's going right? to pay for it? Some uh, entrepreneur. The provider. Yes. The provider. Somebody uh, who's going to see an economic uh, advantage. Don't you think? Because they're going to charge us. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, right? yeah. Somebody's going to somebody's going to provide. You know, create a comp- competitive model out yeah. of this. I agree back, with Gary on that. Back when we were concerned about who had rights to a particular right away behind your house to string a wire. Yeah. Right. The cable company and bought that franchise in each individual town. That was hard. And who in their right mind would ever follow them along and try to do the same thing? You try to work something out with that cable provider because they were the ones that, that had worked this all out. Well, with, with WiMAX, um, and it will be a few years, but that's lightning fast compared to you know some of the things that have happened. In a few years, we'll be able to just decide which cloud provider we'll, we'll want. Which, where in the, the cloud do we want to connect our uplink? Now, to? Hey, Gary, we should probably define WiMAX for people who are listening. We've been throwing and, this term around just quickly. WiMAX is a little bit like, I mean, think of it as Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. which will cover the footprint of your house, maybe 50 feet or so. Um, WiMAX, you know, depending, will go anywhere from 25 to 50 miles. Hey, Gary, does WiMAX oh. require a beautiful cell tower? Uh, it does. Well, the higher up, the farther it goes. Uh, okay. The less restriction, the farther it goes. You know, and so it's, you know, it's not perfect technology, and it hasn't been completely perfected yet. No, but, but it's well in its way. Yeah, yeah. And, hey, you know, our old friend Charlie Hopper up in the UP yeah. uh, with his pasty dot that, Gary, you and I for, for years now have talked with him. Matter of fact, he started when we did some 13 odd years ago. He has been using precisely this technology in the. Well, he's using microwave, up. I think. Oh, is it microwave? I thought it was a, a wireless. He was beaming a wireless signal down. But maybe it's yeah. wireless. Well, maybe it is microwave. I think, it's, I think it's microwave. It's still wireless. It's the same kind of principle. It's wireless principle. Yes, that's right. To, to get so the technology So you don't there. have to have, you know, the, the contract, the license to use the right-of-way. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as we get away from that, and why is that, ha- why is it happening in all of the other, most of the other parts of the world faster than it is here? Because they don't have this legacy government, yeah, exactly, regulation. and and they don't have the infrastructure that's there. The you know the people who own the right. the, the copper wires or or glass watt lines as well holding back. Hey, listen, you're listening to uh, the Internet Advisor Tech Roundtable. My name's Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and Cal Karsner here with me as well. Cal, we've got now to step in, and I want you to step up to the mic here and uh, to uh, take the floor and talk about the big event. Or was it a big event uh, that happened in uh, California where Apple announced um, what has been dubbed as the back to the Mac uh, moment in in their technology? Uh, talk a little bit about some of the things that have happened this week at Mac as a result of that. Well, uh, Apple uh, generally announced some sort of products and, and software stuff every October anyway, generally leading up to the uh, the Christmas or the holiday season. And uh, one of the things, or one of the components of all the stuff that they talked about was the Back to the Mac thing. And Back to the Mac is a concept that uh, Steve Jobs uh, displayed. And basically what it comes down to is that you originally started out with the Macintosh and the real exploitation of the graphical user interface that made using a computer so much easier. That soon branched into uh, some of the other things that Apple created. Uh, which was like the iPad, uh, I mean, the iPod Touch and, and that sort of thing. And uh, that 
was just taking the graphical user interface up another level and making it even more humanistic and more friendly to use with. Mm -hmm. Well, now they've taken all the things that they've built in that graphical user interface and all the things they developed in the iOS with the touch screens and did the, uh, came out with the iPad and, and it's been a success for them. Well, they, they're going to go through and look at some of the principles that made those products great mm -hmm. and bring them back to the Mac, henceforth the line, uh, and build that into that operating system as well so that you'd be able to have a seamless integration between all the different components and different types of tools that you use with the, uh, with the Apple and the uh, and iOS and the uh, Mac OS interface. Uh -huh. so, it, so it makes a really nice, seamless integration of everything. And Steve went through and explained something that I thought was really significant. And that is there's a lot of talk about touch screens with computers, and specifically okay. with laptop computers mm -hmm. and with uh, desktop computers. And he explained that using a desktop or using any touch surface vertically over time makes your arm really, really <laughs> tired. Basically makes your arm want to fall off. If you can imagine holding your finger out, uh, for those of you who are, are listening to us and you're looking at your computer screen ahead of you, yeah, imagine having to, to touch that and work on that. First of all, you have to reach to get to it, but then can imagine holding your arm up to do that. Exactly. So rather than go through the trouble of doing things on a vertical surface, they are taking that same concept of the touch screen but putting it on a horizontal surface by giving you a larger trackpad on some of the products that they're creating mm -hmm. or having a touch screen on it where you can use it horizontally and you feel a lot more comfortable doing it. Therefore, you'll be able to take advantage of gestures like swiping and pinching, dragging and rotating okay. with your hand. Now, are you talking, Cal, here about some of the things that we're going to be seeing moving into the what is going to be, I think it's next year it's coming out, the, the next uh, cat out of the bag, which would be called their Lion system or would be OS 11 probably. Yes, uh, that's the next operating system that's been uh, codenamed Lion. And uh, you have to remember that Mac OS 10 has been out for, this is about 10 years it's been going, and they've had 10 iterations of it, and this is the 10th the one that's come out, which is Lion. And in that one, they're, they are going to take advantage of some of those different things that they have developed for the other platforms to make that interface work seamlessly uh, with all the uh, other... Uh One of those things I understand, uh, Cal, that came out was that this uh, FaceTime uh, that you can do between two iPhones where you've got the two cameras, that that now has come to the, the desktop as well. Matter of fact, that's an application that will be able to be used on Macs. Not on Windows operating systems, but between a Mac and somebody who has an iPhone with that feature? That is correct. Matter of fact, it is, it is in beta right now. You can download it right now. And once you download it, you'll be able to do FaceTime with uh, iPhones and iPod touches that are running on Wi-Fi to a Mac desktop at the same mm. time. Okay, if you happen to be using FaceTime and the person you're talking to is using an iPhone or an iPod touch, and they turn it from landscape to portrait mode automatically on your Mac. It'll turn itself so that it <laughs> follows along with it. So it's really kind of slick when they do it that yeah, way. That so if they're cool. trying to show you something in portrait mode, they can turn it, or if they want to turn it in the landscape, they can turn it, and it'll automatically turn on your end as well. 
Now, Cal, I want to ask you a question about uh, some of the other impact, and if you can briefly, and I know this is going to take much more detailed discussion, uh, perhaps at another time, um, but one of the big things they said is that the user interface for those of us who are Mac users is going to be radically changed in Lion, that we're going to see something that actually will look much more like the iPad and the iPhone in the sense of uh, those apps that pop up and that you'll be seeing the applications pop up full screen instead of the way they do now where they're kind of in smaller windows over the big window. Yeah, uh, that, that's one of the features that they're going to offer in Lion. To be honest with you, I, I'm not a full screen person. I like having my desktop where I can sort through stuff. I agree. Maybe I'm just... I'm just clutter-oriented, yeah. but uh, I can see the, the, the advantages sometimes to a full-screen application. They're going to take advantage of, uh, they talked about, about eight different things really big that they're going to take advantage of new operating system. One is something called multi-touch gestures, which is partially here already now. Right. And that's uh, rather than being, uh, using just a mouse, or a small trackpad, you'll have a larger trackpad where you can actually do those different gestures right there on your on your desktop through a device. Is that like the, the magic trackpad that's out right now, the new one, the big one? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and it's with the operating system taking even more advantage of that particular ah, device. Ah, okay, okay. Um, the, the other thing that they want to be able to do is build into the operating system. Uh, when you use an iPad, an iPad constantly with the iOS does uh, saving of your work automatically. Ah. So in, in the operating system for Lion, they'll also incorporate that as well so that you don't have to worry, did I save this particular thing? It's constantly doing it for you automatically anyway. Uh-huh. Um, they'll have uh, full screen applications like we just talked about. And the other thing that they want to start moving toward too is two other things. One of them is that when you double click on an application that you were in before that you had quit out of, not hidden but quit when you bring it back it brings you right back where you left off at ah. so you just continue to resume your work as if you never quit the application but yet you can quit the application to free up more memory to do other things i'm going to be very interested to see how they handle multitasking however because as you said for instance right now i'm looking at my mac screen and i must have six things open i've got our skype application open i have uh, the chrome browser open i've got the my uh, sticky notes open i've got my mail and uh, my uh, uh calendar open on another monitor next to it so he <laughs> I would imagine multitasking would be handled the same way it is on your iPhone now that you have uh, OS 4, iOS 4.1, uh, which allows you to be able to do multitasking on there. So when you switch back and forth between applications on your iPhone, it'll be a similar way to do it also on your Mac. Wow. Hey, now, I want to ask you one more thing before we get to talking about uh, the, uh, uh, the MacBook Air, which was the piece of hardware that they uh, revealed. And that is, uh, uh, tell me a little bit about what, what Apple is planning on doing with using the Mac Store, the Mac, the Mac App Store now, for delivering software. That's where I was going to go next, and that was the last thing I wanted to talk about. The, they, they want to also be able to deliver to the Mac as well software via the App Store. So that it's just basically, you go to the App Store, you click, it takes your credit card information, it downloads the software you want on it, it installs it, and bang, you're ready to go, just like that. It's kind of like and the, so, I, now Gary, you have an iPhone, right? And uh, I do, yes. I, I, I know when, when we uh, sync our iPhones through our computers, whether it's a Windows machine or, or a, a Mac, 
it, it will say, hey, you have three applications, four, five applications that have updates. Do you want to download them right now? So it lets you know each time that you sync. So is that the kind of thing that they're thinking of doing? It's going to be that plus you'll be able to buy applications uh, through the through the store that way. So instead of having to go to your local computer store and pick up uh, Microsoft Office and get this, the DVD and bring it back and do the install, you just go to the App Store, click, bang, pull it down, and you're done. Wow. Make it more convenient for you. Make it easier to use. Make, make, make the computer uh, less of a work device and more of a creative device, which any good Mac is supposed to be anyway. Now, again, before we get to the device, the, uh, the Apple Book, I want to get your feedback on this, Gary, because apparently Apple has dumped Flash from the new system. This battle between Steve Jobs and Adobe seems to have gone full, you know, into full code red. Well, you know, I'm not going to speak for Apple. <laughs> I'm not going to speak for for Adobe either because I don't work for either one. It doesn't matter anyway. But uh, I, I think there's just way too much hype on this whole Flash thing. Uh, if there's a necessity for it, I guess it should be there. Well, and you can still you go to, to Adobe and download it. It's yeah. not being banned or anything. Exactly. And if you really, really, really need Flash, then, uh, and it's vital to, to what you have to do with a particular electronic device, then get a device that will use Flash, and, and let's just call it a day. Okay. Oh, Gary, what yeah, are you and, there are, and there are some applications that use Flash. Yep. Right? right. If you go to most LMSs, uh, today, they um, at least had started out using Flash because of uh, the ability to use animations, the ability to have very, very small units of code. Uh, there's a reason for Flash. Uh, you understand why there's some people that think it's too porous, that uh, it right. is uh, that little viruses can hide in it, and, uh, and you know that's certainly uh, that's certainly true. Well, Gary, you and, uh, I, but you and I both... There's so many things that... Uh, so many sites that use Flash today. But, Gary, well, you and I both know the frustration of having iPhones and, you know, and being, you know, getting an email with, you know, click on this to watch this particular... And you can't do it because it says yeah. you need Flash. And then, well, okay. i got to wait till I get home. And... I thought you said an iPhone was an oxymoron. <laughs> Did you just say that earlier now, today <laughs> to me when, no, wait when a minute. there were three drop calls? No, no yes. When you and I were trying to talk for all five wait, Mr. Baker, now hang on. As a as phone. phone. Well, that's as what I said, an iPhone. Yeah, an iPhone is an oxymoron, yes, because it certainly ain't a phone. It's lousy as a phone. But no, I'm just talking in terms of as, a, as the multifunction device that it's supposed to be. Uh, that is, I find that a real limitation. That I, when I, you know, if there's something instructional, if there's some content that's been put in Flash on a website, eh, you and I are out of luck on the iPhone. Yeah, and it, and you're seeing more and more Flash uh, today than uh, ever before because there are people that they are Flash programmers. Yeah. They don't do anything other than Flash programming. Well, then, Cal, that was why that was part of why and, I was. And that's the problem. Well, right. you know why why this now this next step where Apple is dumping Flash completely from inside the OS, you can still use it. You just got to go to Adobe and download right. it. And it yeah. really is only five percent or so of the installed base. Thirteen so. percent, uh, 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 uh. my friend. <laughs> no, not of the installed base. Thirteen percent, according okay. to the latest survey, are Macs out there now. 
Okay. <laughs> All right, come and, on, guys. And you, know, and, and, and you know something? It really doesn't matter because it, it, it goes back to the same old thing. If you need a tool to do a particular thing, then buy the tool that's appropriate for it. You know, if you know that the, the iPhone's not going to do Flash, go get yourself an Android and call it a day. Yeah, but, Why but, though, are you uh, but wait a minute. It's not that simple. I mean, it's not, those of us who are prisoners, you know, to two-year contracts with companies. Oh, you didn't have, have to sign that contract. You never had to buy that phone. No one forced you. Wait, this is the iPhone we're talking about, Cal. No one forced you. <laughs> and here, here's the other thing. Oh, it's so bad. It's a horrible phone. It is. Then why aren't we giving it back? Oh, my God. Cal, I'll you go know out. very well. Cal, that is being cynical. You know very well it's because we're hooked with all on, on all the other goodies that are on it. Oh, isn't that, isn't that amazing how I can make you buy a phone that doesn't work well as a phone, but my God, well, all the other wait stuff a minute, is wait a so minute. good. And Gary, I think will back me on this. When it yep. was sold as a phone, it was sold as a full-fledged phone. And, and it if is. Anything, if anything, the, the phone qualities of the iPhone, in terms of my experience of use, have gone downhill. Now, I don't know if that's the network. I don't know, because I still I have the 3GS phone. I don't have the fourth, you know, the IG, uh, iPhone 4. Uh, and I think, Gary, you do, don't you? No, I don't. Oh, I you, have you still have the other 3GS one? 3GS as well. Uh, 3GS. My, so my, I'm, I am waiting for them to fix it. I hope they fix it. I if they, they fix do. it, I will get the next upgrade. Yeah. I will get the next firmware upgrade and put it on this phone. I, I really hope they fix it. I like the iPhone for a whole lot of reasons, yes. but not as a phone. Not as a phone. I, I, I know, I know I'm, be, I'm being cynical or I'm, <laughs> I'm being a, 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 a naughty boy, but no. I will say this. I can fix those phones for you. If you go stand under the cell tower, I guarantee you won't drop the call. <laughs> oh, but, no, no, wait a minute, because my thing is telling me I've got almost full bars here, and, and it's still dropping phones. And then it does this little dance between 3G and E. That's another little thing. All right, let's just abandon this for a moment because I want Cal because we we do have we have limited time here, and I, w- I want to talk. I want you to talk about the device that they showed at the Back to Mac show, which was the uh, the Mac uh, the Air MacBook, right? Yeah. Well, they have MacBook a new generation Air. of the MacBook Air that That's they right. came out with, uh, and now the MacBook Air is now available in an eleven and a thirteen inch size, uh, starting at just nine ninety nine, and. Uh, there's a couple of cool things about it. Number one, uh, all the storage in the MacBook Air is flash storage. So you don't have your normal spinning hard drive that you would have in a, in a normal laptop-type uh, computer. It's all flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, see? They got flash in there for you, Foster. <laughs> uh, Memory, at least. Yeah. It, it, always, a, it always was that way, wasn't it? Even with the yeah, first Yeah, it, yeah. it always has been uh, all flash storage in that particular device. And so it makes it, that's half the reason why they can make it so thin and so light. Uh, It has a battery that can last anywhere from five to seven hours on one charge. Up to seven on the 13 and up to five on the 11 inch. And I heard what, up to 30 hours if you have the case closed? In other words, you can have 30 days of standby time. 30 days, yikes, for standby. So it means if you're traveling and you're not using it, it's not going to be gobbling up uh, battery life. Uh, you know, while it's closed, if you happen to happen to have it open, exactly. And uh, the, the, a, a brighter, higher resolution display is in it now, and it also has the uh, larger multi-touch uh, trackpad on it, so that you can do the gestures like pinch oh, and okay. swipe and rotate and that sort of thing. But it's it, but it's 
the MacBook Air is not for everybody. The MacBook Air is for a person who needs uh, a certain amount of laptop capability but doesn't need all the capabilities right. of laptop. Because it doesn't, because ha- it, it doesn't have an optical well, drive, or is it the bigger one? The bigger one can come equipped with an optical drive, can it? Uh, neither of them have any oh, optical no. drives oh, okay. built into them. Okay. You Which, can always buy a USB device and plug it right, into the side right. and that sort of thing. But this is for the, you know, I, I see like the sales executive that's going to go do a presentation. Uh, they want to be able to carry minimal amount of stuff with them. I, it, with the $999 one, although I'm sure a lot of people will go against this when I say this, uh, brings it closer to the netbook type situation well, where, exa- yeah. where you can have that type of thing, where, I, where a netbook is basically a limited laptop. Well, I heard them, as a matter of fact, I was see somebody was describing it as Apple's netbook. Uh, you could call it that, but I, I, I wouldn't call it that because I'm going to say, this is one thing I will say about a netbook. It's a cheap computer uh, what, that you can get, and at nine ninety nine, that's not my idea of a cheap computer. No, no, mine either. <laughs> no, because would I want are, one? Yeah. Sure, everybody wants the slick, sexy looking uh, MacBook Air. Will I be buying one? No, yeah, I, yeah. I would. Uh, before I buy a MacBook Air, I could find more functionality in an iPad. What's this? What does this do to the now lowest end MacBook uh, notebooks that are out there? I don't think it does a thing to it because you have to remember now the MacBook Air has limited capability. If you need a full function machine that you can put a a DVD in that you can be able to uh, uh, hook uh, additional peripherals uh, more up to, uh, if you want to be able to have a little more computing power, if you want to have a larger amount of disk space without paying an arm and a leg for it because flash drives are expensive, uh, then it's not going to touch that market. It won't hurt it. It's still great for college kids. They're still going to want to be able to use those type of devices. I'm going to try to hook up to uh, an article. I'll see if I put this in the, in the show notes. Mike Elgin. Remember Mike Elgin? We've had uh, Mike Elgin's report on. Uh, very interesting commentator. Um, he compared the Slate, the HP Slate, which is a tablet computer, uh, to the iPad and said that the Slate is a motorcycle and the iPad is a bicycle. And that's not necessarily saying something bad about it, but he was talking about the different uses for the two devices. And uh, I'm going to link to that article because it's a fascinating one, um, just in terms of, of uh, the importance, I think, of the, this tablet format. And I think around Christmas time, we're going to see some very interesting forms come out that um, are going to be this thinner factor, but are going to have a lot more muscle that are going to make a big dent, I think, in the enterprise area and business areas. And I think it's important that people remember that uh, even though it's going to, things are going to look like other things, each one of them will have their own particular functionality to them that might make them different, and therefore they may not be completely compatible or comparable between the two. I know the form factor and, and the idea of the iPad and the touchscreen and everything that goes along with it has kind of set the bar for um, tablet uh, devices. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I don't see the Slate and the iPad as being the same thing at all. I mean, the no, Slate's no, going to no, be yeah. something entirely different. Right. And I'm not saying you were saying that, but it's going to be something entirely different. And, and a lot of people are going to be like, well, my Slate does this that the iPad doesn't do. You know something? That's right. Hey, Gary, let's wrap things up by talking about kind of a fun story that you uh, uh, let us know about, which is that there have been some uh, 
rather unique disasters caught on camera by the Google Street View. Well, yes, you can never tell uh, what they're going to find. Uh, you know, they schedule a Street View uh, camera scan of streets throughout the U.S. and, and other parts of the world. Uh, and uh, from time to time, you catch real life going on <laughs> in these street, uh, street uh, um, views. And, you know, you'll catch, uh, you know, things like auto accidents, of course. Yeah. But there were a couple fires. And there was one particular accident that... Um, was built um, by this particular site as, you know, we've all suffered accidental spills from our water bottle, uh, just as this walker did in um, over in the Netherlands, in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. And you look at the photo and, well, let's just say that's a, you know, that would be her excuse. Uh, they did black out her face as they put this up online, but that was catch kind. all kinds of disasters. Uh, that was kind. Hey, I thought, and, and this is kind of a way of putting a bow on our conversation today, and thank you folks, by the way, for listening in here on the uh, Internet Advisor Tech Roundtable with Gary Baker and Foster Brown. Um, I, the, the, I just saw that Italy has apparently uh, is going to require that um, Google View give them three-day notice before they're allowed to travel anywhere and do their picture-taking. <laughs> so apparently the Italians want to make sure that their dirty laundry has been taken in before Google might catch a picture of it. Yeah, how will they ever, anyway, I uh, think no. it's much more amusing just to let them do it. I think it is, too, and, and and the occasional candid picture is is a whole lot of fun. Hey, guys, I want to thank you very much for a great conversation here on this uh, weekly roundtable, and I hope that you folks out there who are listeners are enjoying this as we continue to be preempted by a, a very good football season for Michigan State University, and I know that uh, Michigan State's basketball team is uh, winding up, although that may provide us a few more opportunities to be back here on the air live on WJR. I think, as a matter of fact, Gary, we have a time coming up in the month of November that we're going to be on the air fairly well, soon. There's certainly a bye week for MSU football, so we uh, expect oh, yeah. that we'll have go back to standard programming that day. Good. I hope. We'll, we'll look forward to that day. And in the meantime, uh, Cal Carson, thank you so much for being with us. Always a pleasure, always a joy, even with, with Gary. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> you know who's been staying out of this is Ed Rudella. We're going to have to get him sprung for one of our next ones. Gary Baker, certainly. thanks a million for being with us as, too, as well. My pleasure. Hey, guys, have a great weekend. For the rest of you, please check in our homepage, internetadvisor.net, for all the details on our program today and all the notes on the stories that we've talked about today. This is Foster Brown for the Internet Advisor Tech Roundtable.